The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Well, good evening. Good evening. It's uh, good to be with you this evening uh, as we celebrate uh, the birth of our Lord Jesus. And uh, I know that uh, some of you, maybe this is your first uh, time being at Christ the King. Maybe you're uh, new to the area. Maybe you're visiting family. Uh, maybe you've uh, been coming uh, every week for many years. And I just want you to know, regardless of what brought you here and how many times you've been in this place, welcome. We're glad that you are here. Uh, my name is Penny, and I'm the pastor here, and it is great for you to be, for us to be together and to worship our Lord. And this evening, we're going to look at the passage that was already read for us earlier. So when the Hankos came up and, and read and Silas tried to read uh, with them, we're, we're going to uh, read that passage again from Matthew 1. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're, we're, we'll also project the passage in just a moment. But Matthew 1, uh, beginning in verse 18, this is what the gospel writer writes. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When, he was mo when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do come to your word and we ask simply that you would meet with us now, that you would soften our hearts and open our eyes and that you would allow the preaching of your word to honor you, that you would allow the words of my mouth to give you glory, that you would allow the attentiveness of our minds and the meditations of our hearts to praise you. And so meet with us, we pray, in Christ's name, amen, amen. Well, one of the things that I love at the end of the year, what I look forward to about the end of the year, is all the annual lists that get posted. You've seen these. I, I can't help but click on them every time they show up in my social media feed, like the top 10 best books of 2021, the, the best new albums that were released this past year, or or, you know, the most popular stories on this particular website, the best movies, those sorts of things. I can't help but click on them. I, I look forward to them every year. And I look forward to them because in these lists, we discover something that maybe we had overlooked over the course of the year. It maybe gives us insight into what captivated the attention and the imagination of our world and our culture. Well, one of the lists that I always look forward to and one that I haven't checked out yet is the annual word of the year list. So the Oxford English Dictionary, Webster's, and Dictionary.com all release a word of the year. Again, I, I don't know what 2021 is, but in 2020, Dictionary.com released not only a word of the year, but a people's choice 
word of the year. So y'all could vote on that. I mean, the, talk about empowering, right? We get to vote on the word, but regardless. So, so you can imagine last year in 2020, think back, what maybe were some of those words that could be the word of the year, right? We think about, you know, virus or lockdown or epidemiologist, right? Like that's a word you have to practice. I've practiced a lot to be able to say it. I'm still working on it. But, but actually it was none of those words that were the word of the year. No, the dictionary.com's People Choice Award for the word of the year was unprecedented. Unprecedented. And that makes sense, doesn't it? When we consider the year that we experienced, Lockdowns and masks and virtual church and social distancing, these things that, that you and I had never experienced before, and, and Lord willing, we won't need to experience ever again. These things, they felt unprecedented, didn't they? And you know, as I thought about this, and I thought about this word and, and what we experienced a year ago, the truth is, as though what we experienced was absolutely new to us, it actually wasn't to the world. Or to history. You see, the past has seen pandemics and new viruses and quarantine and social upheaval. Yes, it was unprecedented for us. I'm, I'm not dismissing that. It was, but, but not for the world or for history. See, in the world, there truly is nothing new under the sun. Almost everything that we experience, almost nothing that we experience is truly unprecedented. And yet, what we celebrate tonight and tomorrow in the history of the world is truly unique. You see, Jesus' birth is truly unprecedented. It's unprecedented because of the miraculous nature of it. I mean, it's by way of a miracle that the virgin would conceive and bear a son. Now, we've heard that phrase, even if you're not familiar with the, the Bible or scriptures, you've, you've heard that phrase uttered every year, right, right around this season. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. But, but just think about this now through the lens of Joseph. Joseph, Mary's betrothed. Joseph, the human father of Jesus. We don't know a lot about him. We know he was a carpenter. We know he probably didn't have much money. We know that he was supposed to be married to Mary. And somewhere, sometime along the way in the course of their engagement, it becomes apparent that Mary's pregnant. And Joseph is not the father. I mean, the passage makes it very clear. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. And so from Joseph's perspective, Mary would have cheated on him. So surely they would have had a conversation, right? Surely they would have, he would have had some questions to ask Mary. And we're not told what that conversation, what those questions look like, but we can imagine that Mary at some point would have told her about the angel and how she had been faithful. She hadn't cheated. She was a virgin. This was a miracle. But to Joseph, to everyone else, I mean, that's crazy talk, right? I, I think that's actually the theological category that that falls under, crazy talk, right? Um, Right? Because virgins don't get pregnant. And if Mary had said anything about her virgin conception, Joseph wasn't having it because we're told that he resolved to divorce her quietly. And just as an aside, Joseph's incredibly honorable in this situation. Joseph could have made a big deal. He had every right to. 
It was within his right to, to tell, tell everyone and make sure everyone knew what he thought that Mary had done. But instead, we're told he was unwilling to put her to shame. He's an incredibly honorable man, and yet even with this honorable action, Joseph still intends to divorce her because a virgin's conception sounds crazy. And maybe that's what you're thinking tonight. That does sound like crazy talk. You know, a number of years ago, the New York Times op-ed columnist Nicholas Kristof ran a series of articles, series of interviews, in which he interviewed different Christian thinkers all over the world. And in one of these interviews, he interviewed William Lane Craig, who is a professor of theology. And the title of the interview was, Professor, Was Jesus Really Born to a Virgin? And so Christoph framed the question like this. He says, I must confess that for all my admiration of Jesus, I'm skeptical about some of the narrative we've inherited. Are you actually confident that Jesus was born to a virgin? That is a great question. And maybe it's a question some of you are asking this evening. Well, Craig responded this way. He said, when I was a non-Christian, I used to struggle with this too. But then it occurred to me that for a God who could create the entire universe, making a woman pregnant wasn't that big of a deal. Given the existence of a creator and designer of the universe for which we have good evidence, an occasional miracle is child's play. Historically speaking, the story of Jesus' virginal conception is independently attested by Matthew and Luke and is utterly unlike anything in pagan mythology or Judaism. So what's the problem? And do you hear what he's saying? He's saying if there is a God, and God is God, and he has the power to create the heavens and the earth, and he has done this, and he has created what we see and what we can't see, and what is visible and invisible, and he did it all by the very word of his power. If he has the power to create, then surely he has the power to make a virgin bear a child. And that's basically what the angel said to Joseph, isn't it? Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus' birth, or what theologians call his incarnation, it is showing Joseph and it is showing us that with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. That's actually what the angel says to Mary in Luke chapter 1 when he announces that she will be pregnant. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for God. Even the unprecedented event of Christ's birth. A miraculous birth by which God comes near. See, that's what we're told in verse 23. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Y'all, think about how amazing that is. The one in whom and for whom and by whom all things were created. The creator of the universe, he enters into his creation to be with his people, to be with us. No matter how familiar you are with this account, you have to acknowledge that Jesus' birth is remarkable. It's remarkable. 
And here's the thing, as amazing as it is that Jesus would take on flesh and be God with us, if that's all that God had done, that would be reason enough to stand amazed at him. But Jesus' miraculous birth, his coming near to us, isn't the end of the story. He was miraculously come near to his people in order to save. That's what the angel says in verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the name Jesus, it's simply the Old Testament name Joshua. It's the Greek form of the Old Testament name Joshua. And Joshua means Yahweh, or God, saves. That salvation comes from God. But now with this name coming upon Jesus, we see that the agent of salvation, the means by which salvation will come is through this child. He is the one who came to save. And y'all, that's what he does. He saves us. He saves you and me from our sin. We must never forget that. That Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He took on flesh to be God with us so that he would bring salvation. You see, he didn't just come to show God's miraculous power. He came so by him our sins would be forgiven, that grace would abound, that mercy would flow. Don't miss that. For all of our singing and celebrating and rejoicing at this season, the reason why we rejoice and celebrate and sing is because the Savior has come. The Savior has come. This event that took place thousands of years ago, this event that the world had been waiting for, this event that the world had never seen before, an event unprecedented in the history of the world, we must remember, but not only remember, we must worship and celebrate the one who is at the center of this event. Jesus, who miraculously was conceived and born of the Virgin Mary, we worship this one who came near We celebrate the one who came to save. That's who we celebrate this evening. That's who we worship tomorrow. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The one who came to save. He is the one that we celebrate because, friends, he is truly unprecedented. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you that you did not leave us to ourselves, but... While we were yet sinners, while we were in rebellion against you, you sent Jesus, your son, to live and to die and to rise again so that grace would abound, so that our sins would be forgiven. And so this evening and tomorrow and all of our days, we pray that you would help us to celebrate and to rejoice that Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior has come. And we pray in his name and God's people said together, amen.